up, Internet? You're tuned in to The Comics Pals, a weekly podcast where a group of comic book journalists and friends get together every Saturday to discuss the comics and news and all kinds of things. Uh, we're down Sean, which you can probably tell by uh, me, Pete, leading the show today. We're also down Phil, so me, Kel, and Marco are going to do our best to uh, keep the show going as normal. The bad boys of comics are in charge. And also Marco's here. <laughs> <laughs> That's appropriate. Uh, all right, so we're going to kick off the show the way we do every week by talking about what we're reading this week. Um, I have some stuff I'm excited to talk about, so I'm going to start the, the conversation if you guys don't mind. Um, Go ahead. Real quick, let me just pull up. I have some notes because I started taking notes on what I read during the week so that I don't forget for the show. All right, cool. I'm ready to go. So, um, like uh, Marco and I talked about last week, I finally read uh, Snock Girl number five. Yes. Really good, man. Um, Tell me not, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, I just – so I have a lot of theories about this book now. Like, and it wasn't until this issue that I think there was enough, like, visual – stuff that started confirming some of the stuff I was thinking. Um, like real, real quick spoilers for snot girl. I like, you know, if, if cover your ears and when I take my ears, when I take my hands off my ears, spoilers are done. Okay. If you're listening to it on the audio version, just like skip ahead a couple seconds. Um, so I'm thinking like, I, I feel like cool girl has got to be some kind of like split personality or something. Right. Like brought on by the medication. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, and I the whole thing I with the blood, dude. Yeah, that that right. that tripped me up. I was like, wait a minute. I stopped. I had to pause. I was like, wait, what? I'm, I'm I was trying to process. Yeah, it. Yeah, man. And the thing that I was looking at was at the end of the issue, uh, where there's the the cliffhanger thing that we won't spoil. Um, so spoiler free now, I guess. Kind of. Um, you see the you see the hand that's pushing right, and it's it's fucking cool girl's hand. But then when you come back, it's Lottie's. It's stretched out. I was like, yo, that's it. Like, that confirms it as far as I'm concerned. Like, and, like, at first, like, because they've, they've done a really, or Brian's done a really good job of, of I've thought that since the beginning, but then he keeps doing things that make me think that that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like being there, it's like the police investigation. And then you're like, oh, I guess she is real. And then it's like, oh, wait, maybe not. Maybe that's not what this is about. And like the whole, th- uh, I don't know. So it's just, it's a great book. The mystery is building up to be more and more interesting. And uh, they confirmed that they are doing a second volume. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I was concerned it wasn't going to get another one because I heard it didn't sell very well. Yeah, that was a concern. It wasn't, it wasn't selling well and it hasn't been. Um, but I think that image is cool enough that they're just going to let them complete the story. I know they do that with a lot of writers. They're just like, all right, we'll let you just keep going because their business strategy is different than uh, like DC or anything. It's not necessarily based right. off the number of books you sell. Totally. So they're probably going to let them finish the story. Also to, uh, to your point, I think like you said, image lets them do that with like certain creators. And I feel like this is like the first book that Brian Lee's done that hasn't had like some kind of success. Like, you know, that was like a little more significant. So like maybe, maybe they're looking at this being like, Hey, yeah, we might take it on the chin for Snock Girl, but when Snock Girl's over and he wants to do his next book and he wants to do it here, that might make us money. When he does something that's like maybe a little bit more palatable to the mainstream, because you know, I feel like a lot of people are probably not reading Snock Girl because of what it's what they think it's about. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they don't know the name attached to it, they're not gonna be like, oh, okay, a flash a fashion blogger. Sure, I guess. Right, yeah. And like I don't feel like I feel like Image kinda tried to push the book on his name alone, not like 
from the creator of Scott Pilgrim, which is probably what they should have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I I love Snot Girl. I honestly think it's my favorite new comic of 2016. So uh, I'm I'm definitely really really excited for the next arc. Yeah, and just going back to like what you were saying about just the story and the way he keeps it like really sus- suspenseful. A lot of it also has to do with uh, Leslie Hung's work. Like, because, oh you know, he's, uh, he's not drawing it. So he's not the one who's actually doing the, the pacing visually. And right. Leslie Hung is definitely doing that really, really well. She's playing that whole mystery. She's playing up the, like you were saying, visually, like it, it just trips you up because it sort of just, it confuses you. It gives you two different things that you're looking at and then like pulls one away and you're left like just wondering. Yeah, dude. She's just so talented too, man. Cause like not only just from like a directorial standpoint, like you're talking about, but like the models of each of her characters are just so good. Oh yeah. And, um, it's something that like, I really like about it is like, there are like a lot of characters. Like it's, it kind of reminds me of like Scott Pilgrim in the, like where they're like, they establish a ton of characters and a lot of them don't matter. Um, but like, each of them has such a distinct visual look that like I don't always remember everyone's names, but like as soon as they show up, I'm like, oh, that's this person. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like that's you know when they're like when they say like because the thing that trips me up is like when Lottie uses uh like their nicknames. I remember their nicknames, but then like I don't remember the real names of the characters. So when like like Norm Girl or somebody references one of their friends, I'm like, who the fuck's that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh right, that's her boyfriend. Okay, like <laughs> or the ex boyfriend, whatever. Um, so yeah, Snot Girl, can't, like, can't talk about it enough, honestly. Like, just go read it if you haven't. Welcome, welcome back, Kale, we're done. (laughs) Man, let me tell you, I was watching you guys through that whole thing, and you look like you are a couple of nerds. We are a couple of nerds. We both really love Snot Girl, alright? Marco and I are, like, big image fanboys. (laughs) No, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to read that book. It, it, uh, it sounds really good. I'm a big fan. The TBB's got to be like soon. I mean, like soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, volume two's it, a couple months out. So, is volume one out? Uh, no, I mean like volume like the second like issue seven starts up again pretty soon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine volume one's probably on its way. Um. So anyway, uh, the other thing that I read this week was um was Cage, which was a mini series done by um Jendi uh Tarkovsky. Excuse me. Ooh, is this the part of the show where Pete mispronounces someone's name? I guess so. Because um, I, I <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show my cards here. I'm pretty sure it's Gendy Tartovsky. You're no, you're totally right. It is Gendy. I think I think his birth name is is what I said, and he changed it to Gendy when he moved to the states. Um, I was like just reading about him the other day because I was like, God, I love that guy. He's so fucking talented. Um. But anyway, uh, so if you don't recognize his name, uh, you know him as, or you probably know him as the creator of Dexter's Laboratory, uh, Samurai Jack, uh, Hotel Transylvania. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, that was the first movie he ever did. Um, which actually made me want to go watch it because I've never seen it. Um, and I was like, oh, he made it. I'm going to go watch that shit. He was a director on the Powerpuff Girls. He's a really, really, uh, prolific animator whose career, you know, re- really dominated in the 90s. But, um... Yeah, if you were watching Cartoon Network in the 90s, you know who, you know that name. Yeah, he was involved in most of the big cartoon cartoons, even if, like, even the ones he... Because, you know, he was, like, boys with, uh, like, Craig McCracken and the mm-hmm. creative talent mm-hmm. that was kind of leading Cartoon Network at the time. So he was either, like, a director or contributing member on, like, pretty much every one of the shows. Um, so he he did this miniseries from Marvel called Cage, 
It's all about Luke Cage, obviously, and it's uh, it's set in the like seventies, in like the OG like Power Man age of him, uh, and it's like very, very like on the nose that um, even like the beginning of the book, like where it ha- lists the creative talent, it gives uh, like a special acknowledgement to the creators who worked on the characters in the early days, like Stanley and you know. Um, oh, huh. So it's yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. It's like very, very on purpose a a old school throwback kind of book um like one of one of my favorite things about it is uh it has like visual shit from the 70s like it has like fake letters to the editor and like they're like or like notes from the editor that used to happen in marvel you know where it would be like oh this happened in x-men you know uh, or amazing x-men whatever um or uncanny x-men excuse me and uh like the the letters from the editor are, are like credited to the editor from the 70s at that time and stuff so it, it, huh. it's it's cool little touches like that. There's like the um the kind of like narration that you don't see in comics anymore, where it's like, oh, like Luke takes a punch to the face and like he really feels it, you know, and like that kind of. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I like that stuff. It's great. It's very very old school kind of throwback. Um, the art is fucking amazing. I mean, like I think Jendi's art is is awesome. Like it's that very harsh like. St- straight lines and kind of square like very like intense faces and like really really cool um and uh oh lord one of you guys do me a favor while i'm talking about it can you look up who did the uh the colors for it and the inks i forgot to make a note of that um it's called cage so the colors though are fucking amazing and um once we have the name i'll you know give the credit but the artist broke kind of one of the cardinal rules of coloring of like picking a uh, a simple palette and sticking with it you know um because like since it has that kind of 70s vibe there's a, a use of like a ton of fucking color and like some like psychedelic scenes and stuff like that that give like that very 70s like pop art kind of aesthetic um so there's just like on one page you'll go from like you know a lot of blues to a lot of pinks to a lot of reds and it just does a really good job of like kind of selling the emotion and it reminds me a lot of samurai jack when you would have those moments of like intense action or something and it would go all red and have that like you know just really intense kind of um frantic look to it and uh yeah so i mean having that in a comic is fucking awesome it's great to be able to like pause and breathe in those images and everything so he did the art yeah, he the, did the inks pencils. are by the inks are by uh, Stephen De-, De Stefano. Yes. Okay. Stephen De Stefano and Scott Willis. And uh, yeah, uh, Scott Willis is the colorist, and he's the one I really want to give uh, attention to because the inking is a good job. You know, shout outs to Stephen for his work, but uh, the the colors boy, are. But boy, those colors—they're fucking amazing. Like they really, like I think this could have worked as a black and white book, but. Like, the colors bring it to, like, a really a next level for me. Like, I shared a couple of the images with you guys because I was just so yeah. fucking blown away by it. Uh, so, yeah, definitely huge shout-outs to the, the the color work on this one. I feel like colorists don't get enough, like, credit ever. Like, they never get the attention that the penciler gets. And sometimes they're just as important. Uh, yeah, like, I, I love crediting the, like, colors. Like, my favorite is Jordi Belair. She's, like... Absolutely yeah. Ph- um, yeah. phenomenal. Uh, Matt Hollingsworth is really, really great colorist too. I love his work. And uh, Matt Matt Wilson from uh, The Wicked and the Divine. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does great work. Um, so real quick, just to wrap up my talks about Cage, so we can move on here. Um, 
I liked it a lot. Uh, I had a few issues with it. I thought the the writing was a little chunky at times, um, but it is genuinely funny. Uh, there's a lot of like like a lot of the one liners that he writes for Luke Cage are really fucking like punny, like classic goofy superhero one liners, but they come off very like suave and cool. Um, so that's cool. Some of the dialogue and even some of the art feels like a little bit racist, if I'm being honest. Like some of the stuff that's like callbacks to the 70s, like uh, he has like Luke say he calls people like a jive turkey at one point. There's like this black guy in a jail cell that he interacts with that has like a very like kind of like cartoony kind of look to him that feels like a little bit, I don't know, just it made me a little uncomfortable. Um, But most of that stuff is kind of isolated to the first issue and you don't really see it moving forward. So, um, I, you know, that was, that was kind of the one thing that gave me pause. I wonder if that could be on purpose. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. Cause that happens before you start seeing all the like hardcore, like on the nose seventies references, like the letters to the editor and stuff. Well, and like just with the history of Luke Cage, you know, his, uh, he, his origin is a very black exploitation, uh, origin and and then just as the character has grown through the years he's you know he's very he's become one of marvel's leading men um so and it's sort of uh, obviously it's moved away from you know the racist caricature that he was but like i I wonder if if that if that's a calculated move i i think so i'm inclined to think so and um i don't know because, like, I, the work itself doesn't come off as racist. I don't think that, like, most of it is that way. So the few moments that feel like that, I'm inclined to assume that it was intentional and maybe just doesn't land quite so well because I don't have the familiarity with those early Power Man stories. So I don't know. But that was the one thing that kind of stuck out to me as being off about the book. Um, but, yeah, overall, really great read. Uh, you know, it's only four issues, it's pretty brisk. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Jendi's work, so I, I was really happy to read it. It's the first Marvel book that I've picked up in a really long time, and uh, it was a blast. So, Marco, you want to go next? Oh, yeah. Um, so, this week I read, I finished the first, like, hardcover volume of um, Preacher, so, like, the first 10, 11 issues, I think. Nice. And that was really, really. That was really awesome. I, I didn't expect it to be quite what it was. Oh, it's like right up your alley. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea, you know? like So when I picked it up, I'm like, oh, this is dope. Everyone who's ever told me that this book is good and for me was right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's good. Yeah. It's, um, the horror aspect was phenomenal. Like b- the body horror especially with characters like Horseface. The topics are very, I don't even want to say dark. They're just, they're pretty fucked up. Like, honestly. Yeah, it's not, it's not afraid to like get in the weeds, you know? You yeah. Know? And like, look at some of the not so savory parts of human life. And I, I appreciated it for that. You know, it's, it's, it was definitely a different perspective and um, it was, it's a vertigo book. So obviously I didn't, like, I was expecting it to be sort of uh, unabashedly just whatever, you know, cause that's the vertigo way you can just do basically whatever, but I didn't expect it to be as yeah. like violent and as just, just crazy as it was. Yeah. It's very violent, very like kind of irreverent. Yeah. But I, I had a blast reading through it. I like, I would read it on the train going to work and just, it 
occupied my time perfectly because like that's all i would do they tried i was like all right let me finish work to get on the train to read nice yeah yeah <clears throat> that's also really funny though to think that you were reading it on the train because i imagine someone glancing over at some point and like seeing like arse face or something and just being like oh god <laughs> yeah man i get i get so uncomfortable trying to read stuff on the train like that it's so really funny. yeah because i'm the i'm that guy that looks around I want to yeah. see what other people are looking at. Oh, like, yeah, I do that, too. But that's the thing. I don't care. Like, if people are going to judge me, it's whatever. Like, I remember one time um, I was actually on the the train up to New York to to do something with you guys. And uh, I was, like, reading the latest issue of Invincible. And uh, it, there was, like, a, a really bloody fucking, like, combat scene in it. And, like, somebody – like, there was, like, this, like, older, uh, like, woman sitting next to me. And she was, like, looking over. And – um like I, 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 I like noticed and started like watching her watch me and I was just like like her face was just like oh my god like and it wasn't it didn't look like it was like this like necessarily like judgment or anything but just like oh my like lord like <laughs> I, like, I like showing that stuff off like when I'm on the train and I'm reading something like especially when it's like bloody or like, even a sex scene in comics like since it, you know, it's visual people are gonna see it so like I sort of like aim it I'll put it down just a little <laughs> bit more so like if someone happens to glance over they're like oh god yeah that happened to me with uh with saga once when i was i was rereading it for a podcast and it was like i was flipping through it and it was like this scene with uh with um the the robots having sex and it's just like two big tv screens fucking each other and it's just like oh god <laughs> i uh the 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 one time for me that stands out like that i was playing uh dead space oh, okay at oh, my grandma's god. house and uh and i went Hey, uh, grandma, it's kind of violent. I don't know if you'll, she'll get, she, she looks at, she, I swear to God, she looks at me dead in the eye and she goes, I can take it. <laughs> That's great. Grandma pal is awesome. <laughs> All right, Marco. So we got, we got a little off the rails there. So are you still talking about preacher? Was there anything else that you read? Uh, yeah, I also started, um, fun home by Alison Bechdel. Oh, sure. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. It's. It's different because I don't normally read um, like autobiographical stuff or like I usually leave that stuff to like like books and stuff where I don't really need a visual representation. But it's very it's very personal. It's really really personal story, and I'm um, I'm sort of half like I'm reading it and sort of feeling and connecting with the character through with Allison basically as she goes through these phases in her life. Um, my only I don't even want to say problem I guess like the one thing is that she goes back and forth in time and sometimes it's sort of jarring because yeah. I, I'll lose like something will happen after something else that's shown and so when they show it again it's like right before the moment happens or something and it just becomes kind of confusing to sort of keep following the narrative but I really like the story I I think it's interesting and the way she tells it is just really unique do you think that jumping like that hinders it or hurts it for you i think for me in some moments it sort of hindered it because i was confused as to what was happening like i thought something had happened after like some character had passed away and then it turns out it it was going back to a time where this character hadn't passed away so i was still in that mindset but then like after like two or three pages realized that oh wait a minute no it didn't happen they were referring to him 
while uh, he was still alive, and then like I'd go back and like read it in a different context. Yeah, just keeping the timeline straight is a problem. Yeah, yeah, it's not even like a big problem. It just like sometimes it'll it, it'll confuse me just because sure. the time shifts. It just makes a little bit extra work. Yeah, yeah, to some extent. Yeah, I've been, you know, I encounter that in books every once in a while, where it's just like you guys kind of get lost in what's happening, and you gotta like take a couple steps back. But like having time skips, I'm sure definitely makes that. Mm-hmm. That's cool though. I'm. It's like the whole like um autobiographical comic thing. Like I'm with you. I've I've never really read any of them, but there are a lot of them, and like a lot of them are really really popular. Like there um. I've I've never heard of the one you're talking about, but apparently it's well pretty well known. Um, and like blank blankets is another one. Yeah, blankets. Uh, there's uh, stitches is another another one. Yeah, and there there's the one. It's is it mouse? mouse mouse yeah yeah that's it. Uh, March is also really good. So yeah, and like I've only ever read mouse out of any of those, and that was like in college for a like a, a class or something something. Oh okay. But um, it, it was. It's great, yeah. It was really good, but um, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe that's something I should look into more. I've heard a lot of great things about blankets. A lot of people try to sell me on that. Yeah, auto autobiographical comics are not my jam. We did uh, a uh, a couple of uh, modules on that in my uh, uh, schooling, um, and I just, man, most of the time it it's just not for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like. I don't. I don't want to say it bores me to tears because that's, you know, disrespectful of the story or whatever, but like, <laughs> I just like, it's so, it feel like it's, it, it, it pulls at me and it's so different. Yeah. It's just not, it's not my thing. That said, I should probably read more of them. Although the one thing I will say that I really enjoyed is the way that Bechtel sort of drives the narrative. Cause it's very, um, I feel like it's very just like, whatever she's thinking, she sort of puts it down and connects it visually. So mm-hmm. she'll be talking about some event that happens and then it just sort of flows into almost like a conversation. Like she's almost talking to you and it just sort of flows into another topic, but they were completely cool. connected. It was, yeah. And I really enjoy that because it doesn't bore me at all. It just feels like yeah. it's a naturally progressive story and she'll come back to a moment, which is where the time skips happen. Like, like you would basically in a normal conversation, you know, like, it's like we're talking about one thing, but like, oh, wait, wait, but then going back to this. I could see that being fun just to have something with like a different pacing to it, you know? So like you said, it's just it's different, you know? It's not it's not how comics usually go. Um, so, Kale, what have you been reading this week? Or I'm sorry, Marco, did you read anything else? Oh, I'm sure you guys saw that giant stack. I just want to give a shout out to mycomicshop.com for helping me complete my uh, volume two Swamp Thing run. Um, that was nice. amazing. Um, best moment of the year so far. Cool. That's great, man. Congratulations. Kale? Uh, so I read, uh, it was Justice League, Power of the Gods. Um, it, uh, so it was, it's sort of unfortunate because it, it hits right in the middle, I think, of the, uh, the Jeff Johns, Jason Fabuck, um, Justice League story, uh, the, the Dark Side War. And so it's all about, uh, the Justice, you know, certain members of the Justice League getting, uh, the powers of the new gods. Um, so Batman is in uh, the uh, the Mobius chair, and uh, Superman is like a uh, this crazy god of strength. Um, the Flash becomes Death. Um, yeah. Um, I don't want Death to be that quick. Uh, 
it, yeah, it was really uh, most of it was really good. Uh, my favorite part by far was the uh, the Green Lantern uh, story by uh, it was Tom King and Doc Shaner. Um, oh, so nice. the, the art was top notch, um, and then just the the pathos, uh, the emotional uh, just wrangling of from Tom King of of Hal Jordan is it's something that I think Green Lantern needs. Um, because, uh, especially since, uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, uh, from John's, you know, so, so long ago now, um, the rings are based on emotion. Uh, so a lot of times if you're not doing it right, you're missing the, the, the real emotional part of, of wielding a ring and you're not seeing inside the, the lantern's heads and, Tom King really just nails it in this one. Uh, a lot of a lot of the story revolves around um, uh, Hal sort of going back in his head and sort of dealing with his father's death, which is you know it's another it's another one of those comic tropes that kind of you know they do over and over again, especially in DC. But this one does it really well because it it ends up that. Hal is actually talking to himself as an adult because he got these uh, god powers um, and one of the things that really stands out to me is that like god gives us it's like it, it, the concept is like god gives us free will and he already knows what's going to happen but the point is that he that god stands back to watch like he could intervene and he could do all these things but that's like we have free will so he just he watches I, it was really interesting and i know i'm not doing it justice but um yeah uh uh, uh power of the gods uh the justice league is just so good cool and that sounds like some pretty like interesting heady stuff and that's always <laughs> yeah yeah I know. I and i think if you if you do green lantern right i think I think that's a really great place to go. Uh, Rebirth and like the Sinestro Core War stuff is is really good if you if you hit those uh, emotions just right. I think those those are sometimes when superheroes are at their most interesting. You know, like when they're mm-hmm. they're used mm-hmm. to represent ideals like that. And um, you know, like uh, friend of the show uh, Chris Masari um, often makes the comparison that like um, you know. The superheroes that have have endured are are very much like the American like pantheon of of Greek and Roman gods, and like they like at their peak they're used in the same way to tell those same kind of like moral and and human emotional stories, and having these larger than life characters representing those larger than life ideals or sometimes very human ideals, um, I think it's yeah it's great it, it leads to uh, conversations like this one yeah it's good contrast. Yeah, absolutely. Between like, yeah, between like the superhero and the human, you know, right? <laughs> because ultimately, it's like even though all, all superheroes are are basically you know like godlike uh, figures in some way, uh, at their core, they are they are human beings, and that's what makes that's what makes them special. Yeah, that's yeah, that's all. That's all I got to this week. Good. All right. Cool. So um, we're gonna move on to our. Uh... <sighs> oh wait, no! I usually have someone set me up for this segment. This is weird. It's time for the random question of the week. Uh, all right, guys. So um, I have a question for you guys this week. Um, and uh, so based on my my experience with Cage and the fact that we've talked about it 
several weeks in a row um, in some capacity. I want to ask you guys, if you could have any non-comics writer write a comic, who would it be? And if do you have an idea of what you'd want them to write? Would you want them to write their own thing or like work on an established property? Huh. Pete's asking the big questions. Yeah, yeah. We can take a minute here. I know that's that's a big one, but Okay, I have one. All right, Marco, why don't you start then? So um I think I've mentioned it before, but comics for me are very like uh the type of literature I take to sort of explore fantasy and um mainly fiction although you know with um fun home i'm exploring non-fiction as well but when i read uh books i usually explore non-fiction and um mostly science related things so one a writer um he's one of my favorites is michio kaku he's um a theoretical physicist out of in he actually teaches at city college i'd love to see him take on a sort of futurist uh sort of comic looking at how we will sort of deal with certain issues like for example um aliens how we sort of reach a max on the um like even something as simple as like the number of capacitors we can put on uh, a computer like we're slowly reaching that where Moore's law will slowly no longer apply just because of the way we're dealing with technology uh, and his just ideals off that because I really enjoy those those books and just kind of like that idea of like what is the next step for human technology and what does that mean for our evolution and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and taking it from a physicist standpoint because obviously you can take it from like a philosopher, you could take it from an artist, but someone who's also um, very well versed in science and understands certain uh, natural laws and certain just like certain projections into the future, the way that he might visualize it. And I'd love yeah. to get him to do it with like, well, he's no longer alive, but with Mobius, that'd have been dope. Mm. That would have been dope. That's yeah. funny, man. That's a really interesting uh, thought too, because I, based on, um, and what I've learned uh, is like a lot of scientific and technological advancements come from actual scientists trying to recreate science fiction Mm -hmm. and like the idea of like well let's do that backwards what happens when a scientist predicts the science fiction I, that, that could be interesting right. it gets creepy <laughs> it gets like really weird and just heavy Stephen Hawking writes a comic <laughs> Kale do you have do you have one or I have one ready to go I, I, I guess okay so for me pie in the sky I guess I would want to see like a David Lynch comic okay I know I I know I would hate it though. Um, just that that's just the kind of person I am, and I just I I know I would hate it, um, and it sucks. I I. Why do you think you would hate it? Yeah. So okay, uh, big fan of Twin Peaks, right? But there's there are a lot of things about Twin Peaks that really bother me. Um, like uh, uh, so in Fire Walk with Me, uh the the twin peaks film there's a 20 minute uh section of the movie where that's just laura palmer like screaming in a bar <laughs> okay and i just <laughs> i just like and we we had this conversation last week because i i, I watched 2001 uh, a space odyssey not that long ago and they had that big technicolor the, the um, scene the scene that everyone yeah. yeah like if you've seen it it's the scene with the guy in the it's ship. awesome 
yeah yeah like it doesn't i don't get it like you don't have to that's the thing right, man that's but the that's point. no that's not the thing that's not the point <laughs> Fucking tell me something. I'm here. I'm literally here for you to tell me something. I'm I'm watching your movie. I'm sitting here opening myself up for you to tell me it li- literally anything. But like you said, man, like there's there is a story. Like the whole Hal story is a story, and like that moment. Sure. But like that moment to me anyway is like it's a lot like when you go to like um. It's like a lot like when you look at a painting, you know, it's like, like, yeah, like you could know the story behind a painting, but like, you can also like look at a piece of art and be like, what do I, what am I taking away from this? And I think that's what that moment is trying to give for you. And like, I understand you not liking it for sure, but like you even said, it's a visual spectacle. It's very much like a, I'm going to do a bunch of like, I'm going to like impress something upon you and what that is is going to be dependent on what your interpretation of what you're seeing is and not just that but that section was also very much like an art piece section because it was pushing the limits to what they could do um back in in 69 basically like with what was it right. yeah with 69 right. back with special effects you know so it was very much his just being able to be like, all right, we can throw this stuff in because we can do it. And it's because it's new technology and a new kind of way to sort of produce this art. Yeah. But again, I I totally understand where you're coming from. Like it's, it's super weird and esoteric. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just, and yeah, I feel like I like having seen what I've seen of Lynch. uh, I feel like that would probably be something similar and I probably wouldn't like it. (laughs) So, but you, uh, but you'd want to see a comic from him. I I would absolutely read it, but I probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, re- I, res- uh, I respect that. <laughs> my my other one is uh, uh, I would love Brad Meltzer's already been to comics. He's uh, he wrote uh, uh, a few issues of Green Arrow uh, and also Identity Crisis. Um, I would love to see him come back to comics. Um, oh, he also wrote some Justice League. I would love to see him come back to comics. Cool. Um, for me, I have kind of like a two for answer. Um, it basically, I was thinking a lot about this, uh, last night when I was like trying to think of what we were going to do for our random question today. Uh, and I was like, just thinking about Jendi and I was like thinking about other animators, you know, people who I like have an art style and everything already. And I know can create characters that I like. So the two names that came to mind for me were, um, Rebecca Sugar, who's the creator of Steven Universe. Um, I would love to see her make a comic that's not about Steven Universe. Like, I would love to see her, like, whatever other ideas she's got, you know, germating or whatever. Like, I would love that. Um, Yeah, I don't even care what it is. Um, (laughs) Literally, whatever would be fine. Um, And then the same thing goes for Pendleton Ward, who's the creator of Adventure Time and Bravest Warriors. Um, Oh, okay. uh, He's just another one where, like, I think... What I think is so special about Adventure Time and um, to a like much lesser extent Bravest Warriors is that like Adventure Time catches a lot of what's special about like running a D&D campaign in a weird way and like play or like playing a video game and, and just like those kinds of things through the eyes of a little boy, you know, and like having that like sense of adventure and gravity and all those that stuff and just like the pressures of growing up, like being the core theme of that work and have it 
expressed in such a weird way that at first seems so strange and makes no sense, but then as it develops becomes like perfectly tonally resonant for what they're trying to achieve. Um, I would love to see him do something like that in comics, you know, just like something where he can establish a major theme like that and then iterate on it or execute on it in a way that's super fucking weird and doesn't make sense, but comes together in a way that just really hits you, you know, where you live. Yeah, I would, I would, um, absolutely add to that, uh, JG Quintal from a regular show. Oh um, yeah. And, yeah. And also, I, man, I like, as I think about that, I would love to see what he would come up with, but also I would love to see, uh, something from, uh, Alex Hirsch the creator of uh, Gravity Falls. Oh, right. Yeah, that's another good one, I would, too. I would love to see something uh, a little more mature. That was what the next thing I was going to say. Is I'd like to see them all take on something that's a little more adult, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, not even necessarily adult, you know, in quotes or whatever, but, like, a little more mature than shows on Cartoon Network and, and, and Disney. Right, right. Just something that, like, something that a kid wouldn't necessarily get versus something that's, like, not appropriate for a kid. Yeah, like, that's more what I'm looking for. Um, so I think that would be really cool. It'd be fun to see those people kind of get to stretch their legs in the in the medium of comics. You know I'd like to see, actually, come to think of it? Sorry to cut you off. No, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Um, Aaron Hansen. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was I was going to say. Yeah, that would be great. I think. I think. I, who who uh, is that? I don't know who that uh, is. Game Grumps. He's, uh, Ego Raptor? He's, he's an animator. Ego Raptor, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's one half of the Game Grumps, and then uh, if you were at all on Newgrounds back in the day, like when that was a thing, um, like the he used to do a ton of Flash videos on the internet, like the the awesome series. Uh, he did Sequelitis on YouTube, which is like a review show that he did for a while. He's an OG internet boy. <laughs> Much got a lot of love for him, and uh, yeah, he's he's a, a great animator. Um, so yeah, I think I think he would be fun too. Um, I'd love to see what he would work on. You know, yeah. right. So, yeah, uh, those are definitely my picks. Uh, to borrow from Kale's thing of someone I would like to see come back to comics who's not really a comics writer is, um, and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but Kevin Smith, uh, because I like Kevin Smith. Like, I like his movies, um, and some of them are not great, but his original works, you know, his, like, view universe as it was, uh, I, I, those movies hold a special place in my heart from my, my developing years, and, um, being from New Jersey, I think probably has something to do with it too. Uh, but he's not—he's not great at writing comics, but he's had a couple runs that I, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, he's yeah, he's not like his stuff isn't spectacular, but I would say it's fun. Like I do, I do enjoy reading his stuff. And I think yeah. like the—you know—you can pretty much say the same thing about his movies. Honestly, um, some of them are spectacular, most of them are just really fun. But I think like. The times where he's done things that are good, I feel like if he stuck with comics a little bit more and, like, really tried to, like, hone his craft, like, he could be really good, you know? And I, I don't I don't think he is really good, but I think he has the potential to be a really good comic writer, um, probably a lot better than he is a director. And, and, I, and again, I, I, like, I like him, um, but, you know... I don't know, like, uh, he did this miniseries um, for Spider-Man called The Evil That Men Do. It's a story with him and Black Cat, and I love that story. It's, like, it's it's a really, really great Black Cat story, and um, filled in some things about her backstory and everything as well. His, uh, his Daredevil stuff is really good. Um, his Green Arrow stuff is sort of hit or miss, 
but I mean, for the most part, it is hit. Like it's pretty good. Yeah, like I, I, I think he, I liked his Daredevil I, run quite a bit. I think, uh, I think he actually brought Green Arrow back to life uh, in the early two thousands. I think you're right. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, it was decent. Yeah, I know he, uh, and he controversially killed Mysterio in his Daredevil run, and people were pissed off about that. Yeah. I mean, I. I wasn't. Yeah, it's like who fucking it, cares? Yeah, could, He's gonna come yeah, back, like <laughs> yeah, like next week. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, it's like literally as soon as a Spider-Man writer wants to write about Mysterio, they'll be like, "Oh, Mysterio was just a was a was a double, whatever." He's back. Yeah, yeah, magic, fake magic. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, that's that's it for that, right? So um, again, usually Sean kind of walks us through this, but uh, we're gonna have Kale lead us on the news segment this week. So Kale, why don't you? We're gonna turn it over to you now. Sure. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk uh, let's talk trailers. Yeah. First. We got some cool ones uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah. Power Rangers. Yes. Let's start there. Um, I have not been excited about this Power Rangers reboot. Hang on. I <laughs> was Addend- initially addendum. excited about this. <laughs> I was initially excited about this Power Rangers reboot, and then with each news item or reveal they've given us i have gotten less and less and less excited about it just because it all looks like a gritty gross transformers reboot um but this trailer uh nailed it like it hit everything i wanted it to um i think for me the the line i think was zordon like i um i was really worried about how they were going to show him i was really worried about how that was going to work but it looks like Brian Cranston is gonna kill it, dude. As soon as they said it was Brian Cranston, I was just like, "Oh man, this movie might be legit awesome." Like, <laughs> like Brian Cranston's not gonna sign on to do this if it sucks, you know? Like, he was in. Did you know he was in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Really? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was just like various monsters, but yeah, he <gasps> was. I had no idea. He, yeah, he worked. Yeah, he he worked on yeah the original Power Rangers. Um. But, uh, yeah, something of, like, I don't like the, the teen angst where screw-ups garbage that the Power Rangers are going through, but literally That's the Power Rangers, looks, though. It, it, we don't need it. Oh, we're screw-ups. We're awful teenagers. That's no, their thing, cool. though. We're, they're the we're breakfast cool club, bro. We're having fun. No. They're five teenagers with attitude. They're not jerks. No, but I, but like, isn't, I mean, like, and I, I'm going to show my, my hand here. I never watched the Power Rangers. Don't have any relationship to the IP. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, genuinely asking the question. Isn't that their origin though? Is that they're all kind of like the weird kids at school and like, and then they all come together because of, they become the Power Rangers. See, I never thought it was. I, no, I, I don't never seemed like that to me. No, okay, I don't know. I, I, that's that was how I remembered it, even before the movie showed it that way. So I don't fucking know. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, there could be something to that. Then they were I don't all know. like we'll happy-go-lucky. Yeah, uh, but but I feel like they're happy-go-lucky once they become the Power Rangers. Like I don't think they have teen angst like throughout the show, but like they're already a team and they have friends and everything. I thought that they like because like they I don't know like they're like a weird group that like is weirdly dissonant like the breakfast club where it's like why would these kids be hanging out under normal circumstances see yeah it never it never maybe it doesn't come up i don't know it it never comes across that way to me because like i think in the first episode i think in the first episode like i don't know they um when zordon gets them they're teleported 
they're like standing together and they're teleported away. Huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. So like to me, they were already friends. They were already Maybe. Either way. We're getting yeah, in the we're, other, we're getting yeah. in the weeds a little bit here. Um so either way, I, yeah, I agree with you, Kale, though. I had I had very little hype for this movie just because like I, I said, I don't really care about the Power Rangers. I was gonna see it. Because I was like, I mean, this looks fun enough. And like I said, I, I don't really have an attachment to the brand. So if it sucks, really no skin off my nose. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it looks pretty good. Like the visuals look fun. Some of the jokes that they made in the trailer were actually funny. Elizabeth Banks looks like fucking terrifying as Rita Repulsa. I think she she is the perfect actress for Rita Repulsa. She really is. Because she's not... She's a she's a very talented woman, but she's also just she's got that air about her that like when she could overact, she could really do it. And I think I think that's uh that's what Rita Repulsa would require. Yeah, I mean like that is you know like she was very like over the top overacted character. Like I remember that uh, that much anyway. Um, was very like ah like yeah yeah kind of like that like um like the Wicked Witch kind of like ah, you know kind of like vibe so. Yeah, I could really see Elizabeth Banks, like, just leaning the fuck into it and really having fun with it, but then also being kind of fucking scary, you know? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm into it. And, like, the visuals look really good. I like the suits. I, we saw the Megazord looks pretty cool. See, I still like the suits. I don't know. I like them. Like, I don't I'm know. Hoping, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see them more in action, and I like them better in action. Yeah. But yeah, I'm still not crazy about it. I don't know. I I feel like they they look very much like what you said, where it's like, oh, it's like a a gritty like movie version of a thing. But it's kind of like the alternative for that with the Power Rangers is literally to have them be in like the goofy like plastic costumes they were in in the show, and that's not gonna I fly. So I disagree. I think that would be perfect. Oh well, maybe not in this movie, but like, yeah. I feel like they should have just made them look like those style wise but have them be like metal okay looking. yeah you know that would have been a good compromise i think yeah it seems like it's gonna be really cool i i'm excited okay so the new logan trailer like wow wow that trailer yeah those tra- i gotta say man they've been killing it with those logan trailers whoever's putting those together is like really really hitting the nail on the head yeah this one didn't do as much for me as the first one yeah, I think with so. The, with the Joe, with the Johnny Cash song, that was just it. way better directed. Like that one, that the cues on that with that with the music was just really on point. But I think this one does show us a little bit more about the movie and what's going on. I think this one was a lot more focused on like X X twenty three. Yeah, in, instead of like the first one seems to be all about Logan. This one seems to be about her. I didn't realize she was going to be like such a developed character. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, it's cool that we're gonna get to see her claws too. Like I didn't. Yeah, yeah, and that she's gonna be actually like fighting and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and that it seems like there's parts in the movie that don't have them together. Like I like the idea of this, especially this very young actress, um, kind of getting to show off X twenty three on her own a little bit. That's cool. Not have to be in Wolverine's shadow the whole time. Uh, one thing I'm a little iffy about, and uh, I think it was Kate Leth brought this up in on Twitter. Uh, that the little girl is, like, so far the only woman we've seen in the movie. Uh, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that's true. I think so, anyway, yeah. Yeah, they they should have had, like, probably, uh, you know, some kind of, like, female supervillain kind of figure leading the, the gang or something like that. 
I mean, I mean, yeah, we don't know. Uh, hopefully, there is something uh, with someone there. Uh, but uh, uh, so far, that that's kind of a bummer. But I mean, it looks really cool. Marco, any thoughts? Um, no, I agreed. Uh, it didn't do much for me as much as the last one, but I think that was just because, like Pete said, like the music and the direction was at all just better composed, I guess. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see how X23 is sort of. Now that we know she's a bigger character, I'm excited to see how she's integrated. Yeah, looks good, man. Looks good. Okay, so the next uh, the next piece I'm I'm conflicted about. Um, so uh, it's been reported now that uh, Dwayne Johnson, aka and, The Rock, uh, he's uh, I, I apologize, uh, I didn't call him by his full name, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock, <laughs> the Tooth Fairy um, Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, has been signed on to be uh, the DC villain Black Adam for uh, a long time now. Yeah, that's been rumored for like fucking years. Well, I think it's been official for just as long. Uh, yeah, for a while uh, at least. Yeah, yeah. This week it was announced that uh, Black Adam would be getting his own movie on top of his role in Shazam. On top of yeah, on top of being the villain in a Shazam feature. I'm very conflicted about this. Uh, because one, obviously Dwayne The Rock Johnson is one of the best people ever, uh, and he absolutely deserves everything he gets his hands on. Yeah, I just want to make it clear, that's the official stance of the comics pals, is that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the shit, and if you don't like him, (laughs) you can fucking well, you don't have to get out, but like be nicer, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're entitled to your opinion, but fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your opinion's wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, for me, Black Adam, he's, he's, he just doesn't seem like the kind of character that deserves his own film. Uh, he's, you know, they in this article from The Hollywood Reporter, uh, which we'll have in the show notes, uh, they describe Black Adam as more of an anti-hero. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know about that. We, I mean, which, if you're going for an origin story for, like, the wizard and the Shazam um, property, I guess it, it does make sense. Uh, it, you know, you can absolutely show, you know, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam in, like, uh, the mummy scenario where you're, you know, in, in ancient Egypt when he got the powers and, you know, how he became Black Adam or whatever that's fine if you want that but i can't necessarily say that i do that said i will absolutely go see it yeah i mean like <laughs> i i'm with you 100 percent, except for the fact that the rock is the lead and it's like i i will go see it because of that you know and it's like i yeah no that's that's why i'll yeah. go see it yeah absolutely and it's like i i'm kind of with you like i don't really feel like black adam needs his own movie but like if they're gonna make a super villain movie and they have the rock like who's one of the like highest earning actors and like best leading men in hollywood right now uh, you know it's like you'd kind of be an idiot not to take advantage of him and give him his own movie uh so it's like if they're gonna nail a super villain focused movie this might be the one you know because it's like i feel like you're right that like black adam maybe there's not a lot there but sometimes that's a good thing because then they can kind of make their own shit up and iterate on the character and kind of let the rock bring you know a new flavor to him obviously not a lot to go on here but so we'll see uh because we still don't have uh shazam or captain marvel 
I think it's really interesting that they have that they have not only gotten the villain cast before they cast Captain Marvel, but they're also going to give him his own movie, and we still don't even know yeah. who Billy Batson is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and hopefully they figure that out soon. Like they need to jump on those Stranger Things kids. Oh yeah! Quick. Oh man, I was just about to say that. That would be yeah. so good, man. They get they get um, the kid that plays Dwayne with the the missing teeth to play Billy, and then get like, good. and then we get like John Cena or somebody to play shazam or captain marvel you know that would be fucking rad actually i would i would go see that uh this this piece now uh we don't have to belabor it but since we talked about it last week i i I thought we should mention it apparently ryan reynolds is on the short list for the green lantern Corps movie that's so strange Um, i cannot imagine a world where ryan reynolds would go back to the green lantern property yeah me neither like do they do they clarify if that's their shortlist? Like DC wants him or? Ha. Huh. Okay. So the source is the rap, and I'm not I'm not sure the uh you know the credibility of this, but it was on uh, the Outhousers, which is pretty a pretty uh well known comics uh, source. Uh, it says that they previously reported that Green Lantern star and People's Choice uh, Award uh, Ryan Reynolds was awaiting a phone call to reprise his role as Hal Jordan. But it seems the actor has shut off his phone for now, as other actors have been added to the shortlist. Uh, so the other names are Tom Cruise, Joel McHale, Bradley Cooper, Army Hammer, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Man, what a cast of generic white guys, huh? Well, I mean, you're talking about superheroes. Hal Jordan is generic white why guy. We, why don't we just get Matthew McConaughey in there, too, you know? <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's all right though. I could see Joel McHale being a a solid quippy Green Lantern. He might be he might be too quippy. I think. I think Army Hammer would be good. Even Bradley Cooper, I think, would be really good. Bradley Cooper, I think, would be a good play. But I I don't think Bradley Cooper is going to do it. He's Rocket. I don't think they're going to get somebody who's oh, a Marvel true. hero to come do Green Lantern. I just don't think that makes sense. That's a good point. You know, that's a good point. Bradley Cooper's Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. What? Yeah, dude. And Vin Diesel's whoa. Vin Diesel's Groot. I knew that one, but whoa. You know Chris Pratt. You know Chris Pratt is in those movies, right? Are you serious? <laughs> what have you been living under a rock? Wait, Michael Rooker's Yondu? <laughs> Damn, that blue skin was just like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's his character in uh, in The Walking Dead? Uh, Merle. Whoa, Merle's Yondu. <laughs> it's pretty much the same character. Whoa, that guy from Mallrats is Yondu? <laughs> All right, you lost me on Taking that. Taking it back to Kevin Smith, baby. Mallrats. It's the best one. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Shelly Bond is making her return to comics with a Femme Man- Magnifique anthology. Uh, it's going to be 30. The tagline is 30 short stories celebrating women who crack ceilings, take names, and change the game. Like real women or? Yes. Okay, so it's like a historical kind of thing? Uh, no, so this is uh, going to be an anthology about 30 women from various fields, including politics, science, and entertainment. Oh, so modern women. Uh, yes. Cool, cool. That's awesome. It says it'll feature uh, 30 stories about women of the past and present. Um, so I'm not positive whether this will be like a nonfiction or just like dope stories by and about these women okay i hope uh, it's nonfiction. 
Yeah, I think that would be really cool, like, to have a nonfiction thing like that. Because, like, those are those kinds of projects that, uh, it's like the cartoon history of the universe is, like, another great example of that, of something where it's like, man, this is a perfect way to teach kids about stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so far, the uh, contributors are, uh, they have uh, Marguerite Bennett, Jill Thompson, Gail Simone, and Annie Wu. Yo, and uh, that's some names. I mean, there, I mean, and that's that's not even the full list. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick is involved. Yo, yeah, 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 my girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and they they have names like uh, Kieran Gillen and uh, Sanford Green as well. So, uh, yeah, this is gonna be uh, an impressive anthology. Yeah, no, that sounds great. You might remember Shelley Bond as. Uh, an editor for uh, Vertigo and DC for like 23 years. Uh, like last year, they uh, let her go due to like restructuring of the line. Like right, a- like right after the announcement of uh, the Young Animal imprint. Um, I don't. Th- I, I I wouldn't speculate that that had anything to do with it because I think that was all. That project is like her baby. Uh, but uh, yeah. So this is her big uh, her big return. That's cool. Is it an independent thing, or they say is anybody publishing it? Or I think it's Vertigo again, right? It does not say. Well, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Right now, the only no, I'm not going to say that. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, we're not sure yet. Okay. So, well, we'll keep an eye open for that, and we'll talk more about it when it comes out. I'm sure. So the next uh, the next uh, item on the list is Sony is making an animated Spy- Spider Man feature. Uh, starring Miles Morales. Oh yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. Which uh, I'm ve- I'm very excited about. One, let me let me put that out there. Okay. It feels a little. How does it feel? It, I I don't want to say too little, too late, because it's awesome. It's Miles Morales. It's gonna be dope. With all the clamoring for Miles Morales during Andrew Garfield's run as Spider Man, but also but also. Um, oh. Okay. You know, uh, everyone wanted Miles Morales to be, or even, you know, they wanted Peter Parker to be black, you know, for, for his return in uh, Civil War. Right, yeah. As as I started reading this, I went, wait a second. I'm personally glad that this is the route that they're taking because I, I mean, like, not for nothing, um, Sony is responsible for what I think is the best animated interpretation of Spider-Man and maybe even the best adaption of Spider-Man ever, which is the spectacular Spider-Man. Um, so if they have any of that same talent or just get a similar talent pool, um, there's every reason to believe that this is going to be good. And, uh, I don't want Miles Morales on the big screen. Like, I like Miles Morales just fine. I'm a diehard Ultimate Spider-Man fan, but uh, he lost my interest because he's not Peter Parker. He's a fine character. There's nothing wrong with him. I don't have any problem with the idea of Peter Parker being black if that's had been the way that they wanted to go. But like Miles Morales is not Peter Parker. Miles Morales is not Spider-Man. He's not my Spider-Man anyway. And um, like Peter's an important character and I don't think he should be shelved because people like Miles. So I like the idea of allowing them to be separate and like Miles can have this feature in an animated movie. And like, yeah, maybe someday we do get a Miles Morales Spider-Man on the big screen. I'm sure that'll happen eventually if they keep go- if superhero movies keep going forever like they you know have been um but i you know i would have been really upset if they had given us miles morales on the big screen instead of peter parker or if they'd given us a peter parker that seemed more like miles morales so 
I like this idea of throwing Miles Morales fans a bone, but not having it get in the way of, of Peter Parker being the main Spider-Man on the big screen personally yeah yeah i'll i'll support it 100 percent um it looks like it's gonna come out it's scheduled for christmas weekend uh 2018 okay is, is it so we've got some time is it getting a theatrical release or yeah really yeah yeah yeah, yeah. wow that's fucking cool all right i'm into that i'm real into that personally uh okay uh select dc monthly books are receiving a price increase this is such an interesting story uh yeah uh previously it was announced uh during rebirth that uh uh dc would not be uh raising their prices uh in fact uh, they would be lowering their prices in some cases uh what was it well i think the slogan was holding the line at 390 299 right 299 yeah um but starting in april select dc monthly series will see a price increase from 299 to 399 uh, but these books will also include access to a digital copy of the book uh, on whoa uh, a digital copy of the book on on readcentertainment.com via digital code there you go that's their digital storefront I think right yeah so yeah, yeah. so what's interesting to me about that is uh, do, you, do you guys know does Marvel did they how do they do it they have it on their app. You can you can um, any any Marvel book that you like any issue you get, they have like a little sticker that you peel back and it gives you a code and it registers as you having purchased it physically and you can access it on like just online. Uh does it work through Comixology or is it just their app? No. I think no. it's through their app only. Yeah, it's it's through I think it's through the same app that uh Marvel Unlimited runs through. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is all okay. through the Marvel app. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's how how it works. Because Marvel Unlimited is a pretty similar thing where it's, you know, you just... Yeah. This is the first time DC's ever done this, to answer your initial question, Kale. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, and that was the point I was going to get to. The uh, the Rebirth title titles that are currently priced at $3.99 will receive the digital code. Can you read the list of what they are real quick? Just for the kids at home. Uh, All-Star Batman, Batgirl... Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Batman Beyond, Batwoman, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, The Hellblazer, New Superman, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Super Sons, Supergirl, Superwoman, Teen Titans, Titans, and Trinity. Most of their big flagship books. Man, The Hellblazer. Uh, no, no, actually, I think uh, kind of the books that are connected to their flagship books. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no, I can sure because it's not like action comics and stuff like that. Yeah, huh. yeah. Uh, it's the new Superman, Super Hyphen Man. That's really weird, right? Like, isn't that kind of weird? My thought, my thought is the these must be the books that aren't quite doing as well as they they hope, uh, but are still doing kind of well. Like, how does that make sense? That if if the book's not doing well, the move is to make it more expensive, and that's how somehow going to help. Like, I guess to compensate, like those people who do buy it will pay that that price, and maybe hopefully that'll somewhat like yeah unless they, unless they lose a bunch of people because they're like i mean i yeah i was reading it but it's not that good it's not worth the extra dollar i'm sure they're gonna lose some people that way you know or some people who will just be pissed and not do it out of principle oh yeah i don't know i wonder all of dc's the 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 twice monthly books the rebirth books so like green arrow uh uh batman uh superman 
and and all of those those titles will remain at 299 that makes sense too because like again they are twice monthly books yeah so you're you're paying six bucks you're paying six bucks for those a month anyway right Hmm. okay yeah i find this to be very interesting i i'm i really wish that we understood the motivation behind it you know like we can speculate but i'm inclined to think you guys are right but i wonder like, I wonder if that's the thing. Is this, like, their way of dipping their toe into the idea of making all their titles more expensive and trying to have, like, a simultaneous hard copy, digital copy uh, business model kind of thing and seeing if they can afford to do that? Like, who knows? And, like, are they doing it with these books because they're not their flagship titles? And they if they fucking fail because of it, it doesn't matter. But if Action Comics falls off the cliff, that really matters, you know? I, will, I, I really wonder, you know? I, who knows? Yeah, the only... Uh... The only statement we really have for them, uh, for this news is, uh, from the, uh, senior vice president of sales and trade marketing. Uh, he says that, uh, giving readers value was a key component of our rebirth initiative, and we're continuing that commitment with this move. We've heard from many fans that they like to read and collect our books in both digital and print formats, so this new offering gives DC readers the convenience and value pricing they asked for. It seems like a real uh, uh, victim-blaming move to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally, like, I I am one of those people, so I do see the value in this move. That being said, I don't think that it should be a dollar increase in price just because, like, my big problem with digital comics is they are not worth anything. Like, and, and I really – that – and, like, that's a judgment – call that i think is a little bit different than some other forms of media because like i I, the reason i don't buy video games digitally usually unless it's like on pc or whatever is because i you know there isn't value like you can't retain a copy and like i can't loan that to anybody that sucks The, the same thing goes with comics where it's like if you buy a physical comic there's always the chance that it'll appreciate in value there's always the chance that you could make money on it if you really wanted to um, that's not the reason you buy comics, but that being said, like the idea that I'm going to spend the exact same amount of money on a digital copy of a book and not, and like get nothing for it is ridiculous. So like, I like the idea of them being like, oh, for an extra dollar, we're going to give you a digital copy, but it's like, it doesn't cost you anything to make digital copies, making copies of a digital comic that you were going to scan anyway, doesn't cost anything. So, like, if Marvel's already giving everyone digital copies of books they're buying for free, don't you think you should probably just do that too? Yeah, agreed. Um, we might have to uh, we might have to put together that uh, that all numbers episode that Marco's been talking about forever. All right. Speaking of price and uh, comments and value, uh, and value, uh, the Image twenty fifth anniversary humble bundle is out. It is, uh, and it's fucking incredible. It's four hundred and thirty dollars worth of uh, comics, and man, I love, I love Humble Bundle. So yeah, real quick, if you guys don't know about Humble Bundle, humblebundle.com dot com is a organization, uh, nonprofit that uh, teams up with different publishers and developers, creators of art. It originally started as just video games. Uh, and basically they get a different group of, of, of some kind of work every month and, um, across different mediums and will offer you a huge, huge amount of content at an insane price. Um, like for this, uh, the humble bundle, humble image bundle, you're looking at 
over like 30, 40, 50 comics and uh, the with, at, and with with more to come. Yeah, right. And then the absolute um, ceiling that you're expected to pay to get everything is twenty five dollars. So, and you can pay whatever you want. So there are tiers. If you pay a certain amount of money, you get everything in one tier. Another amount of money, you get everything in the next tier. Uh, and then you can break down how you spend that money however you'd like. So if you want to give 25 of that dollars directly to Humble Bundle as an organization, you can do that. If you want to give the money directly to Image as a publisher, you can do that. If you want to give it directly to one of the charities that Humble Bundle is supporting or the charity of your choosing, you can do that as well. Or you can break it up in any amalgamation that you want. So like $5 here, $5 there. Um, so Humble Bundle is like, yeah, fucking amazing. Yeah. So, and, uh, as of right now, they've, they've made, uh, over $109,000 on this bundle. There's 11 days left to go. So, um, and it's incredible, man. Like, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of like number ones for like newer books, but then you also get like entire volumes of a couple things too. get like the first volume of, uh, Limbo, first volume of Rat Queens, first volume of Bitch Planet, uh, Spawn, um, all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah, East meets West, Saga, Sex Criminals, Spread, like books that East meets West or East of West rather, uh, Outcast, Wicked and the Divine, just like tons of books that we've we've talked about on this show and books that we we love quite a bit. So if you haven't read any of these books, if there's just some that are missing in your collection, go drop that twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's absolutely worth it. It's enough to keep you reading for probably a good chunk of twenty seventeen, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's going to segue us into our main topic this week, uh, which is going to be indie comics. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Image because, you know, uh, we love Image, but um, we're going to just kind of expand it out to independent comics in general. This is something that we've talked about a lot on the show, but something we've kicked around about wanting to have like a bigger presence. Uh, the three of us are kind of like the indie guys at the Comics Pals. Um, so, yeah, we thought it would be a good way to kind of test the waters and Try to have an indie-focused conversation this week. Yeah, one of our one of our big critiques from uh, one of my friends from school was that we focused too much on the mainstream stuff. I agree. And uh, so my response to that was uh, to go buy more DC books. So, <laughs> um, really, really sticking it to the man there. Uh, but yeah, I'm really pumped to to try and get back into that. I've always really tried to pride myself in in putting more uh, indie content into the world and. Um, we we should be part of that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, man. Um, indies have have definitely dominated my reading for the I I guess the last five or six years at this point. I think um, I remember the last major Marvel event that I read, or not event, I guess, but the last major Marvel thing that happened while I was still concurrently reading was the death of Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, within the next six months, I kind of stopped reading Marvel entirely because a lot of the books that I was enjoying were going in a direction that I wasn't super interested in. And then Peter was gone. I wasn't sold on Miles Morales. Um, and yeah, I was just in a weird place. I was kind of a man without a country for a while until I found Image. And uh, I didn't read comics for like a year or so because I just really didn't have anything I felt like following. And uh, I was like reading a lot of like old stuff and like old trades and, and just picking up random things and whatever. Um, but I wasn't following stuff anymore. And it wasn't until uh, the first season of The Walking Dead came out and I checked that out that I was like, hey, image, like sounds like they've got some cool stuff. And I went, started reading The Walking Dead, found Invincible. I found um, 
a lot of Robert Kirkman stuff in the beginning, tech jacket, shit like that. Uh, but yeah, and that was kind of like my my first entrance to indie comics. Like before that, the only non-superhero books I had really read were um, were from Vertigo. You know, it was like Why the Last Man. So like, what was your kind of like first big exposure to it? We'll start there, I guess. Marco, go ahead. Kind of the same way, Pete. Um, actually, no, not, that, that's not true. Because for me, I, I, I've said it before, like, I came into comics late. I've only been reading for like maybe six years. Because of the um, movies, right? Uh, yeah, doing part of the the movies, to some extent the shows, but um, mostly like the, the main Batman movie. I was like, oh, okay. Like the Christopher Nolan one, the Dark Knight. And you know, I got into Batman. Man, this is cool stuff. Maybe I said it before, but from there, it was just like my transition into Swamp Thing and realizing that, you know, uh, comics aren't all just heroes and capes. They can say something more um, than just that and speak on things within our within our realm, not in the superhero realm or like the comics realm. They can, like Phil always says, you know, comics are real life. Yes. Um, yeah. And from there, a lot of it was just like, I want to read more stuff like this, like I don't much care for, I'm not going to say that I much care for, but I don't, superheroes aren't necessarily my thing. Like, I get it. They're, they're fun. They kick ass and they beat people up. Um, and that's how I've seen it at, at their core. They can have good stories, but at the end of the day, they always triumph and beat the bad guy. And if I'm going to, if I wanted to read a story, I was going to read something where there's a little more ambiguity, where there's a little more going on than just a simple good and bad. For me, it was too black and white. Yeah. And so... I'm thinking my first foray was also Vertigo um, with Why the Last Man. That was the first comic that I read that wasn't a superhero. And from there, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Brian K. Bond's a really cool writer. And at that time, I think it was 2012, he had just launched uh, Saga. I'm like, hey, this is the same guy that I read um, yep. from this Image book. It's, not, it's coming from Image. It's not DC. It's not superheroes. Let me pick it up, man. They were having a digital sale. They gave the first issue free. So I got it. And the rest was just like, yeah, man. Like, Image was the place to be if you're not going to be writing about superheroes necessarily. I think like a big thing for me with Image, and it's something that I think has like kind of maintained to this day, is I feel like I feel like comic books are very, very bipartisan. You know, like you generally like you're a Marvel or you're a DC. Like even if you like both yeah. of them. Like you're like, oh, I like I'm a Marvel guy, and Marvel's better, and like that. This is why, and whatever. And I was always like that. And as soon as I like lost my like faith in Marvel, I kind of was like, like, what is my identity as a comic book reader? You know, like I don't have anything to latch onto. And it was like when I found Image, and I was like, man, I like really like Image. Like every book I've read, or all the books I'm checking out by Image, I'm really into. They're telling different stories. They are giving me more than just capes and tights. And, uh, and they also gave me Invincible, which is my favorite superhero comic ever. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of like, I feel like having that, it's indie, it's all not connected, and it all has its own sense of identity, but it still has, like, a community to it. And, like, I have someone curating books for me again. You know, like, Image is like, check out this new number one, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I fucking will. <laughs> and I, I feel like that was a really big thing for me, because not having that it made it really hard to find new things to read. And as soon as I was like, I'm an image guy now, I'm an image guy. That became my new foothold in comics. You know, is like, I really love image books. And I love image as a company. I love their ethos. You know, I think they make comics the way comics should be made. You know, they're not super concerned with the bottom line 
yeah, when they're yeah. launching when they're launching new properties. You know, they're willing to take risks. They're willing to like bank on things that they know are going to make money to allow themselves to do things that are like risky. Uh, and like you said, the like the having a number one was the big thing for me also because I had a starting point. Like I had a, I had a place where I could start. Whereas if I wanted to read Spider Man or Batman or the X Men or something, it was like I had to swim through all this like information and all this these story arcs and all these books and it was just like where do i begin and where do i end kind of thing in that sense having a number one was just a place to start and just a good way to be like all right if i can dig it from this point moving forward then cool i think having the books in a straight line is really helpful for that too you know there isn't like oh story continued in civil war number one it's like no you just read the next one and you're good. <laughs> and also, like, their business model just in general was also, for me, it was just, like, it was very creator-oriented. It wasn't for the business necessarily. Right. You pay us this flat fee, uh, and then everything after that is for you and based solely on the merit of your art. I'm like, right. dude, that's crazy. And I think a, a big thing for me, too, is like, I talked about this, I think, last week or whatever. We were talking about Ultimate Spider-Man. And um, I remember when I read Ultimate Spider-Man the first time, similar thing with Why the Last Man, but I had read Ultimate Spider-Man first, uh, I realized that I want one creative team on a book forever. You know, like, I don't like, I don't like when, like, I'm reading Amazing Spider-Man or whatever, and then the creative team changes hands, and then, like, the whole tone of the book shifts, and a bunch of plot threads get left behind, and all that shit. Like, I remember... Like the first image book I, I read, like I said, was Walking Dead and then and then Invincible uh, shortly thereafter. And what I loved about it was like these were books that were 10 years old. I was able to pick up at number one and just read through it in a straight line and be like, especially in Invincible, like things that Kirkman sets up in the first 25 issues come up like 50, 60 issues later. And it's like, that's like three or four years of publication history later. And it's like, hey, remember, you remember that thing? Well, it's back. Fuck. And it's like, oh, whoa. Like. And I, I love that because that's, that's why I liked Ultimate Spider-Man was that it was consistent. It was a consistent vision and like it grew, you know, it grew as a book. The characters grew in that world and it wasn't just leaving things behind. It was, you know, Bagley and Bendis's or, you know, take any of the other books we're talking about. It was, it was this team's fucking vision. And like, even though both The Walking Dead and Invincible had their artists change right after the first arc. From then, it's been the same fucking guys building this out and and growing something. And, like, that's what I like about comics. That's what I like about sequential or, um, you know, um, what's the word? Uh, Not monthly, but, like, storytelling that's uh, on a schedule, like, in installments. Episodic, whatever. It's like a word like that. You get what what I'm saying. Um, That is what makes comics great in my mind. And I feel like image, like that is the image model is like, there's these three people they are going to work on the book and that's it. And we're not going to pull people off or whatever. They don't have a stable of image artists to pull from. It's whoever's here. It's the, is the talent. And I like that. And that's how we connected Pete. It was man. Yeah. And like immediately. Yeah, dude. And like, we, like we connected right away. Cause it's like, Oh, like what kind of stuff are you read? And you're like, Oh, I'm a big image guy. And I was like, we just became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only, like, you, me, and, like, I have one other friend um, who's, like, been my friend for fucking forever, uh, my friend um, Alexis, uh, I call her Lexi, who's a huge Image fan, and people who are like, no, like, I love Image, like, I wear Image shirts, man, like, Image is the shit. 
Okay, so and we're getting a little in the weeds here on image talk. So let's let's try to move on, I guess. Um, when when we inevitably have our spinoff show, that's just the three of us talking about indie books. You'll hear me and Marco suck images dick on a weekly <laughs> basis. So uh, we can we can save that. You know, uh, we'll work up to it. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so to take it back to like indie books, we talked about a couple other books that are like. Um, you know, like, I feel like Vertigo gets often brought up in the indie conversation, even though like they're really not. Well, so the the definition of indie is is technically you know stuff that's not published by the big two, right. meaning Marvel and DC. So Mar- uh, Vertigo does technically count, even though it's an imprint, though. Yeah, but they are telling stories for the most part that aren't connected. It's like so I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow a comparison from the world of music. I feel like the term independent, like indie comics, uh, has become the same. It, it It's become the same. It doesn't mean anything that it is in the music industry and the video game industry, where it's like indie used to mean that you were independent and you put something out. And now, like what you're talking about, that's not – I mean, even an image, you're not independently putting something out, but we still call image books indie books. They're not. They have a publishing arm behind them. So like – where do you guys draw that line? Is indie more of a stylistic thing for you? Or is it like a, is it a budget thing? Is it a creator vision thing? Like what does indie book mean? I think for me, yeah, it's more of a creator vision thing. I think if it's, uh, for me, yeah, it would have to be something that's not affiliated with like the big two. So you give, you give Vertigo that pass. Yeah. Yeah. I would give, I would give Icon, uh, Marvel's imprint. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, I Remember when Icon I used to do things like barely? Yeah. That said, that said, uh, you know, girlfriend, pal, friend of the show, uh, Jess works for Titan. I don't know if I would necessarily consider them indie. See, I think the for me, I feel like the line for indie is: is it based on an existing property, or is yeah. or is the work yeah. or is the work paid for hire? And if it's neither of those things, then it's indie. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, like, yeah, Vertigo might have published Why the Last Man, but, you know, uh, BKV had creative control. It was one team. He had very little editorial oversight. Uh, you know, like, like a, good, a, a really famous example that proves that Vertigo has, it, at the very least, an indie mentality is uh, when he was writing Why the Last Man, his editor asked him, like, en- encouraged him, was like, hey, do you have another 50 issues in this? Like, uh, or do you have another 50 issues in you of this or, or, you know, whatever. And Bendis or not Bendis, um, Brian K. Vaughn was like, no, like I'm done. Like I'm, I'm ramping up to the end here. This is kind of it. And they were like, okay, you know, (laughs) if it, if it it was another circumstance and you could see them like putting a little pressure or whatever like that. And I feel like that to me is a big thing. Like I would agree that like, um, you know, Titan isn't indie because like they make Assassin's Creed books and shit. yeah and like doctor who yeah yeah. it's like that's you're doing licensed stuff that's not really indie yeah yeah or like dark horse like dark horse is not really indie i would disagree because there are books there that fall into that whole it's creator controlled like um one that i would say was is um harold county i would talk about like oh that, yeah that's like totally yeah. creative controlled it's just them and um they have they still i believe have the rights to it 
um yeah zodiac star force and uh i think power up came out from them too but yeah man so i don't know dude the, like i feel like that's a really it's a hard line to draw because it, to make another uh comparison it very much reminds me of like in the video game world where for a long time like indie games were this like big up and coming thing that were making waves in the industry and it was guys in garages and stuff making games again and then now you have like big fucking publishers like Microsoft and stuff like that or or Sony or whoever um contracting these small indie teams to make games that are exclusive for them and like that's not independent anymore you're getting support from the big dogs and like I feel like that's kind of the same thing with Dark Horse or and like maybe even with Image, you know, it's like, are they really indie? It's like, they're not web comics. They're sure shit. Not like, you know, they're not like your books, Kale. Like those are indie books. You know, it's like, you don't have Image putting your fucking books out and put them in, in comic book stores and stuff. But listen, Image, if you want to, <laughs> you want to, you want to hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-C-I-C-O-M-I-C-S. The Comics Pals. I don't really know um, if I have a point there. It's just food for thought, I guess. I don't know. Let's, uh, yeah. So let's. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and take the conversation and just kind of highlight some of the 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 more independent stuff I know about. Um, obviously, there's panels publishing. Um, you know, we work really hard to to put that kind of stuff out specifically so we can get in the industry. Um, but then I'd also I also want to highlight this guy I've been following for a little while. Uh, his name's Stuart Campbell. Um, he has written a couple of really great um, uh, web comics, and um, oh, this is the guy you reviewed. The it was the book about his grand or the comic about his grandfather getting Alzheimer's. Yeah, that was yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah his uh, his uh, it's uh, the title of it is "These Memories Won't Last." Uh, uh, yeah, it's a, like we said, it's a it's a. Uh, an interactive webcomic. Uh, it tells the true story of an aging grandfather who suffers from dementia. Uh, as his memories of the past and present blur, he questions the value of memory at all. Um, really great, really great uh, webcomic that really... Uh, it's one of those that you... as you It interacts as you scroll. So as you scroll through the thing, it... it you kind of follow a, a red a red line down the screen. It like animates in a very rudimentary kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Um, very just amazing stuff. Beautiful, really beautiful. Like very moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also did uh, another web comic called uh, Oh, I just lost it. It was um, I think I think it was the world is broken. I don't remember the title. Uh, it's a, a sort of a story about uh, global warming, and um, sort of it's uh, this this boy and his. Uh, oh, the ocean is broken. I'm sorry. Here it is. Uh, yeah, the ocean is broken. It's um, the story about uh, this boy and his brother uh, who sort of are making their way through like the post apocalyptic uh, world in like Iceland, I, I believe. Um, and just their story of survival, uh, you know, post the global warming disaster or whatever. Um, really, another just amazing, beautiful book. Uh, well, webcomic. Um, uh, yeah, so this guy's name is uh, Stuart Campbell. He's a, he's a big guy. He's, a, he's turning out to be a, a crazy innovator in terms of, like, what 
comics are and what comics can be um he's working on uh an an a visual app called ijack uh which it's an augment augmented reality app curated for ar products no that's a really cool idea and for those of you who don't know augmented reality uh means having um like projected images or or models or, or what have you in the real world it's like if you were in a room and you projected uh you know a waterfall onto the wall that would be an augmented reality experience so the idea of that in the application of like consuming comics is interesting uh yeah like po- po- pokemon go is is oh uh, yeah it's a good example augmented reality pokemon go is yeah. an augmented reality app yes um, yeah, so this guy, this guy does beautiful work. He's an amazing creator. He has uh, a book called uh, uh, sort of it's a more traditional comic called Razor Legs, uh, which is a very uh, Mobius-like uh, book. We got to get him on the show. Oh man, I yeah, absolutely. He would, right? You, you, guys are, you guys are you guys are you guys are friendly, right? Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Cool, that'd be great. Um, I'd love to have him. I'd love to have him come talk about that app. I have so many questions. <laughs> So you can find his stuff at sutueatsflies.com. That's S-U-T-U-E-A-T-S-F-L-I-E-S.com. Sutu Eats Flies. Um, I actually, now that, now that you mention it, I would really like to give a shout out to a friend of the show, um, artist Plaid Klaus. Yeah. Uh, you, if you guys, well, actually I forgot nobody watches the visual. I can see his art on Kale's wall right now. Um, so you can check out his stuff at, at, uh, plaidklaus.com. It's, uh, P-L-A-I-D-K-L-A-U-S.com or he's, uh, plaidklaus on Instagram. Absolutely follow him on Instagram if you can. He is always publishing, uh, pictures of what he's working on. He's got a couple comics in development. Turncoat is one of them. Oh yeah. Turncoat. Um, I forget the name of the other one that he's working on. Oh, uh, Glimmer Society. Yeah. Glimmer Society. That's it. Uh, and he's just a phenomenal fucking yeah, artist. Yeah, really, really like, good. If I could, if I could work with anyone on a comic, it would be Plaid for sure. I, I will say that when we were at Comic Con, he drew me a commission, and you guys were there, and it was absolutely gorgeous to this extent where it touched me, like on a Marco. Marco fucking wet. <laughs> he he, did, like, he got a little emotional. I'm not gonna lie. Um, it was it was just it was amazing and he's a spectacular artist i i can't you can't not say that you know no dude like especially like uh we met him at wizard world philly we were there together uh working the event and um we we ran into him at one of his booths we had interviewed him and saw some of his art every one of the three of us got a commission and then we brought like every motherfucker we knew that was there that weekend to his booth and got him like fucking like 10 commissions i feel like that week um, just because his art was, is so, I have two of them at my house. Yeah, you do. Um, I have, yeah, I have two. I have, yeah. I have the, he, he did Adam and Eve, Adam Eve and Invincible one for me. And then I also have, uh, Captain America as like a, a knight of the round table with like a, a Spartan shield oh, yeah, and sword. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, man, he's just a phenomenal fucking artist and I'm really excited to see some of his books like really start finally fu- coming to fruition. Cause like I've been watching him work on them for so long. I can't wait to see them come out. Um, but yeah, check him out for sure. We're, we're going to have him on the show one day. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's the, the immediate person that, Oh, I'm sorry. Another friend of the show. I want to give a shout out to <laughs> is, uh, is Jamie me 
who you guys, uh, if you guys are on Twitter, you might know every Sunday, uh, he's the curator of the, uh, hashtag comic book hour discussion. So if you guys aren't familiar, uh, go on Twitter, follow at comic book hour. It's a weekly Twitter discussion every Sunday where they talk about comics, very focused on indie comics. Um, and he is also a comic creator and, uh, he, he, um, his first comic call outs here. Cause he also has a web comic, uh, that I don't remember the name of. So while you're doing that, I'll also give a, a shout out to, uh, Nori Miller, who is a classmate of mine from the, uh, uh, from, from my time in, in Scotland. Um, he does a, uh, uh, or did actually, I'm not positive what he's doing now. Man, I'm a terrible friend. Uh, <laughs> this guy's my friend. He, I have no idea where he is or what he's doing, but he uh, he works with a, a zine called uh, the Treehouse Comics. Um, it's it's basically an anthology of uh, like small town like Scottish creators. Um, they do a lot of really really good work, um, and they do. Uh, it's it's been a few years since I've been in Scotland now, but they while I was there, they did a, a big release party for each issue they did. Um, it was really, really great stuff. Um, highly recommend you check that out. Um, as well as friend of the show and uh, designer of the show, uh, Letty Wilson. Hell yeah. Who, who is, uh, yeah, she's working on a, uh, a webcomic called uh, Owl People. Uh, it's on a Tumblr. Um, and she also has a Patreon, which we will uh, put a link to in the, uh, uh, the show description. To give my shout outs to Jamie, um, I like for whatever reason he like redid his website and it's like way harder to find information on. So I'm gonna have to hit him up about that. But, um, yeah, the book that I was, uh, thinking of is, uh, Queen. That's the name of his comic. It's a, a political thriller. He kickstarted, um, I think it was in 2015. And then, uh, he's also got a, um, a, a weekly web comic where I just like, I really can't find the name of it though. And it's killing me. I, th- I think it's called, I don't remember. Fuck. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jamie. I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you plugs here. What a weird name for a webcomic. Dude, it's just ridiculous. Like he took he took the name of all of his shit off of his Twitter too. Like how am I supposed to find your comics, man? Uh anyway, Jamie's really talented. His his comic is very funny. Just go to his dot com and, and do the work, track it down. It, it's good. He's a very, very talented, a very, very nice guy. Um, so check out his stuff. Oh, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at Jamie Me Writes, jamiemee.com, spelled exactly like it sounds, J-A-M-I-E-M-E.com. Yeah, uh, and for me, I was going to give a shout out to, I, I spoke about it on the first episode, Magic Doe um, by Jared Smith, and it's uh, he's a local guy here in New York City, and he's really awesome, really nice art, um, and a playful story, and so just shout out to him. Um, so we are getting a little long in the tooth on this episode, as much as I'd like to keep talking about indie comics. Um, we're just about to hit, I think, the two-hour mark, so... And giving shout-out to shout-outs to all our friends. Yeah, that's kind of what this has devolved into. So, um, we're gonna put a pin in this indie discussion. Uh, expect more of it in the future. I think next time it's just the three of us. We'll definitely end up doing it again. Um, and like I said, we've, we've played around with the idea of us doing a sub pals podcast. So if you guys have any interest in that, let us know in the comments below or hit us up on Twitter, or you can send us an email at thecomicspals.com. That's T H E C O M I C S P A L S at gmail.com. Uh, and yeah, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff. And, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the comics pals. We're going to move over to our plugs. Um, I'll start them as I always do. 
Uh, if you guys want some more of me, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at loud underscore Pete, where I'm regularly talking about uh, pop culture and art. So if you want to come, you know, have a conversation with me or tell me my opinions are trash, please feel free. Um, if you guys want some more content from me, uh, you can go uh, check out. I'm now writing for uh, CBR.com. That's comicbookresources.com. And um, I'm doing lists there every week. I just put out one this week about uh, 15 times that an American president showed up in a Marvel comic. It was a ton of fun to research and write about. So a couple really cool entries there to check out. And then um, I also have a YouTube channel called Slack and Slash uh, that's all about video games where we do Let's Plays. We have a podcast every Monday where we talk about the news and uh, general topic of the show, kind of like this show. And um, we do some scripted stuff as well, but that's a little inconsistent right now. So if uh, that's of any interest to you, you can visit us at slackandslash.com or um, at youtube.com slash slack and slack and slash. Excuse me. Cool. So uh, I am going to go ahead and plug my comics company, uh, Panels Publishing. We're a small uh, comics uh, 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 publishing company that uh, really works to get novice creators into the industry. Um, this week I want to plug, uh, my friend Nathan's, uh, comic with his, uh, uh, with his friend, uh, Isaac, uh, I want to plug their comic, Sosmonaut the Cosmonaut. Um, it's very- <laughs> That's a fucking amazing name! <laughs> oh, wait till you read the comic. Um, it's very apt for this week. I thought it would, uh, I thought it would be a, a really appropriate plug. So it's about a, a Russian cosmonaut who, uh, gets stuck in space- after the fall of the Soviet Union. Okay, that's really fun. Uh, so he decides to go spread. He decides to go spread communism throughout the galaxy. Oh God, that sounds like that's a really awesome. Fun read. That sounds, that sounds like a really yeah. fun read. Yeah, so uh, you should definitely go uh, buy it. Nathan, Nathan, and Isaac are both super talented. Um, I think it's uh, my. I th- I'm pretty sure it's my favorite um, uh, uh, book that we put out. Um, they're both just great uh you can find it at uh selfie.com slash panels publishing that's uh, our web store um it's not on comiXology yet uh but they are working on uh, the second issue so when that comes out we will have both of those on comiXology when the time comes and we'll be sure to update you then oh for sure uh if you want to know more about panels publishing you can find us on facebook under panels comics you find us on twitter at panels comics with an x uh and if you, uh, oh, and we have a website, it's panelspublishing.com. If you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at totointo. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, so, and for me, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at what was Marco. Twitter just has an underscore at the very end. Um, I will be coming out with some more stuff, hopefully in the future. I'll let you guys know when that's out. Dope. Uh, Phil is at Cyborg Holiday. Uh, that's uh, Cyborg Spelling, like, spell like Billy Holiday. Is it Billy or Doc? Oh, Doc, that's it. I always, yeah, no, I'm an asshole. Yeah, with, <laughs> with two with two L's. Yeah, yeah. And cy- cyborg like the robot, Holiday, H-O-L-L-I-D-A-Y. There you go. And Sean's still a scrub and not on Twitter. That wraps it up for this episode of the Comics Pals. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Phil's a button.